This is a BMO Smarter Investing Special Edition. Financial literacy is important to us all. And in this episode, we have partnered with BMO Female Financial and Investing Professionals to provide insights on the importance of education and investing as part of BMO's commitment to real financial progress for every woman so they're prepared to seize every opportunity. Hi there, I'm Jennifer Lee, Senior Economist with BMO Capital Markets. Now, to say that these have been interesting times for the global economy would be an understatement. If anything, give me boring any day. In recent years, we have gone through a tumultuous time from trade wars to a global pandemic, and right now, an all-out battle in Ukraine. Oh, and by the way, the pandemic isn't truly over yet. It's still very much an influencer in various parts of the world, and all these factors combined have placed a lot of pressure on the global economy, the labor force, currency market, bond market, you name it, there's a lot of pressure. We at BMO Economics are expecting a mild recession now in both the U.S. and Canada as growth grinds lower in the latter part of 2022 and as 2023 begins. Aggressive Fed and Bank of Canada tightening will obviously have that effect, go figure. But it makes forecasting super challenging and personal investing even more so. Now this month, we are going to go down a different path. I am joined by two highly respected professionals from Bank of Montreal to discuss the strength of women investors. We have Jennifer So, Portfolio Manager with BMO Global Asset Management. She manages the Women in Leadership Fund, the Sustainable Opportunities Canadian Equity Fund, and the Growth Opportunities Fund. We also have Andrea Cassiato, Head of Digital Investing with BMO InvestorLine and leader of the team that helps our clients reach their financial investment goals using BMO's online investing options, including InvestorLine and Advice Direct. So Andrea, let me start with you. We are trying really hard to put this pandemic further into the rearview mirror, almost there, but not quite yet. So as we are doing so, what trends are you noticing about women and investing? Hi, Jennifer, and thanks for having me. It's important to just start by addressing the fact that we're talking about women as a segment, although they aren't really, they're, they're half the population. And there are so many segments of women investors based on their age, their stage, their experience, their background, and there are complexities in how people identify as women, men, or other. So for this conversation, I'm going to use research that uses a more traditional definition of men versus women. So with that said, you said it, Jennifer, with the pandemic, we've seen volatility in the markets, increases in inflation, interest rate hikes, and it's still going on. And what's interesting is that 50% of women say they are more interested in investing since the start of the pandemic, and 44% plan to reach out to a financial professional to take action. And I think that's fantastic because nine out of 10 women will be solely in charge of their own or their family's finances at some point in their lives. So women are increasingly taking on important roles to manage their finances. And with that, they're bringing unique challenges and strengths. So I hear this a lot. But is it true? Do women really invest differently from men? Well, a couple of research studies have looked into this specifically, and we found some really interesting trends. One is that women do tend to have a more disciplined approach, a willingness to learn, and a willingness to seek guidance from investment professionals. There was a Wells Fargo study done over a five-year period, and it found that on average, women investors achieved similar returns to men, but they were taking significantly less risk. And there was another study done over two decades by University of California, Berkeley, that showed that female investors outperformed men up to 4.6%. And the top two reasons for that were one, that men were sometimes prone to overconfidence in their investments, 
and women took on less risk. So what we've heard previously in research about women as investors, and in fact, as business owners, is that they're risk averse, but really it's actually more of a strength in being risk aware and risk mitigation. Okay, so a little bit of a personal tidbit here. My eldest daughter, Haley, she is entering her final year of high school. And given our household, she knows the importance of investing and saving, or at least I hope so. So have you noticed any differences in investing across generations of women? Yeah, we're definitely seeing some research showing that younger women are investing differently. So they're starting earlier, they're starting smaller, they're using technology more, both to invest, but also to get information on investing, whether it's from apps or podcasts or online forums. And they're also in the driver's seat for finances more often in relationships. So there's one study that said that younger married women are two times more likely to say they're the primary decision maker in the household. Another trend is that women investors in general tend to look for investment opportunities that have a purpose. So one poll said that 52% of women would rather invest in companies that have a positive social or environmental impact. And that's especially true for younger women. They're looking for ESG investing opportunities or just investments with a purpose. So I think your daughter will be joining a generation of young women who are going to continue to shape the investment industry in wonderful new ways. That would be amazing. So that was an excellent macro picture of investors. Thank you. So let's switch over to the investment side. Jennifer, let's get your perspective as a portfolio manager or the person who makes the investment decisions on what goes into your funds or the Women in Leadership Fund, which has a big focus on diversity and inclusion. Have you seen any new trends in this particular space? Yeah, great question. So I'll highlight a couple of trends that we're seeing. First is both investors and companies are really broadening the aperture of diversity to look at both gender and that intersectionality, specifically to include race, both at the board level and throughout the organization. And secondly, now that time has passed, we can really look at the targets that the companies have established from a couple of years ago for gender and at various levels of seniority. And we can really look back and either see progress or ask the really tough questions if need be. If I may, I just want to say a couple words on why focusing on diversity and inclusion is so important. So first, it's just the right thing to do, full stop. And then second, there are so many benefits that can drive positive financial performance. New ideas come from different points of view and a wider range of perspectives can really enhance decision making. And this is important in an increasingly complex and global marketplace. And then lastly, think about it. You know, labor is one of the largest line items for most companies. And we all know that attracting and retaining talent is a huge challenge today. Companies are going to have an easier time if they draw from the entire population rather than just a smaller subset. And strong diversity and inclusion practices are correlated with lower turnover. At the end of the day, this flows to a company's bottom line. So for our listeners out there, you can't see me right now, but I'm actually nodding away as Jennifer was talking. So Jen, there's a, a term which is gathering momentum these days, and that's gender lens investing. So can you describe what your approach is to gender lens investing? Yeah, and I'm going to start with a great quote, which is talent is evenly distributed throughout the population, but opportunity is not. And I love that quote because it perfectly encapsulates what the Women in Leadership Fund is trying to address. So we are investing in companies with a high female leadership and a commitment to improving gender diversity within their spheres of influence. Over the years, 
we've really thought about how to advance gender equality further, and we've incorporated additional factors into our decision-making process. We really think that there needs to be a greater emphasis and scrutiny on that pipeline of talent at all levels of the company. So we're looking for companies that also address barriers to advancement, exhibit upward mobility trends, and are closing the gender pay gap. And then lastly, we also accelerate improvement by talking to the CEOs, talking to the boards of these companies, and we encourage them to improve gender diversity and other issues. Can you give us any examples of uh, innovative companies out there that are really making a difference in equity? Yeah, I'll give you two examples. And the first one is Microsoft. So first off in the US, only 23% of the private sector workers have access to paid parental leave. Obviously very different environment than in Canada. And Microsoft provides their employees with both paid time off and paid parental leave. So going back to 2015, Microsoft also required its US suppliers to provide the same level of benefits to their suppliers' employees with paid time off. And then a couple of years later, Microsoft went even further and required their suppliers to also provide paid parental leave for all their employees. And I think this is such a great example of a company really magnifying their positive impact in a very concrete way. And then I'll give you another example, which is Google. To improve employee retention, they actually track and study their attrition data, which compares workforce representation versus exits on a number of metrics, including gender, race, level, tenure, et cetera. And it really helps them identify where and how they can improve retention in the future. So Andrea, after all this, what are you thinking? Like for women who are listening right now, who maybe aren't feeling really engaged in their finances, is there any advice that you want to give to them? Yeah, Jennifer, for me, it's really about taking the first step. And so I would suggest checking out a trusted learning resource like BMO's Investment Center, contacting a financial professional, or even just trying to open an online investment account. Women can start small and take a page from how younger women are investing, just with an amount they feel comfortable experimenting with. Being able to interact directly with buying stocks online can really help to dispel your initial fears. And you can start the way I did and invest in a company whose brands you use and love. The other thing I'd say is no matter where you are in your investing journey, you can continue to build your financial literacy. So even if you aren't the primary financial decision maker, it's your money and your financial well-being, and it's critical for you to be engaged. Yeah, and if I could just add on to those points, from my perspective, I'm a mom of two young boys. I think it is so important to start early. Teach those financial literacy skills to kids to set them up for success. And from that perspective, hopefully it'll be a great motivator to do the steps that Andrea outlined. I agree. I think we really need more episodes like these to address equality within financial education. So broadly speaking, just wrapping this up, regardless of what stage you're at in your career or in your life, always staying in the know is super important, particularly around global economic developments and geopolitical events. We've obviously all been reminded over the past few years that events that happen on the other side of the world have a very uncanny habit of finding their way closer to home and impacting our investments. And women who wear all these different hats and balancing all sorts of responsibilities, they might be more cautious, but that has been a good thing given these volatile times. And starting early, starting with what you can afford and educating yourself on how various financial tools are available to help with investing for your future or for your children's future, 
These are all key themes and investing those funds with an ESG focus are ones that promote diversity should definitely be considered. So what now? If you haven't already, open it up an account with BMO Flexible Online Investment Solutions and see what great tools and research and educational material we have online that'll help you feel more comfortable with some of the investing options. And always, always reach out to your financial advisor to make sure your investments can adapt to changing times and help you meet your financial goals. Jennifer. Andrea, thank you both for joining the podcast and sharing your very invaluable insights. This was a special edition of BMO Smarter Investing. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to BMO Smarter Investing, a podcast brought to you by BMO Investor Line. We are here to empower Canadians to invest smarter. For more information on how you can start investing today, visit bmo.com slash online investing. And be sure to subscribe to this show to get the latest episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.